Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Aren't you thankful to be in service this morning? You can be seated in the fear of the Lord. We've been talking about, in our current series, A Voice in the Wilderness. And this morning, I'd like to turn your attention to the book of Luke. We'll read chapter 2, verses 25 through 26. Luke 2, 25 through 26 says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And so for just a few moments this morning, we're going to visit the subject, it will come to pass. It will it will come to pass. God's word is true. God's word is settled. And it will always come to pass without fail. But in order to witness or to experience that divine proclamation as its inevidential occurrence will come to pass, it will require something of us. It's going to require a faithful adherence, and it's going to require attention to see it come to pass. And so this morning, I began with a story. His name was Scotty. Scotty could be very difficult, and this phrase could be heard again and again from people who knew him. He had been that way since he was a child. The words were sometimes said in anger after frustrating encounters with Scotty, but most of the time they were just said and stated as truth. It was just a fact, and it was impossible as it seemed to even change that fact. Scotty's mother had taken him to church as much as she could through his childhood, but she was a small woman, and once he had decided not to go, well, she simply couldn't force him. As an adult, Scotty married a lady who attended church. He attended with her sporadically, but he would never make a commitment to God. His work would then involve a lot of travel, and his tendency to be difficult sadly did not diminish. But around 63 years of age, Scotty, Scotty suffered a very tragic thing in his life. He suffered a stroke. It brought him close to death, and it left him confined to a wheelchair, dependent on the help of others. And due to his wife's poor health, she couldn't lift him or she couldn't need, give him the needed care that he, that he needed. And so Scotty, unfortunately, became life to live his life in a nursing home. 
in 2014, Kendall and LaVon felt impressed to start visiting a church member who was a resident of a local nursing home. During one of their visits, they were introduced to a man who had grown up in the same small town as Kendall. During their introduction, Kendall recognized Scotty. He had no idea Scotty was in that nursing home. In early 2015, God began dealing with Kendall about purchasing a van to transport people who were persistently asking for rides to church. And once that van was purchased, two men wanted to go to church. And one of them was Scotty. At age 68, Scotty rolled through the doors of a spirit-filled church and was flooded with the memories of attending church as a child with his mother. Scotty no longer hid from church. He eagerly awaited for Sunday. In 2017, Scotty was fidgety after the end of service, and when the invitation was given, he took off in his wheelchair for the front. And a short time later, he looked up at Kendall and said, I got it. I got the Holy Ghost. In 2018, after careful planning and with the help of six men, Scotty was lowered into a cattle trough in front of the church. He was baptized in Jesus' name. The prayers of his mother had come to pass. Almost two years later, on January 11, 2020, at age 73, Scotty's fear of being left behind was eternally quenched when his Savior came to take him on his final ride home. And all of this was made possible by two very important things. Because someone believed the word of God and because someone obeyed and answered the call that is upon their life. And because of that, they brought him to the house of God. It was the word that brought him there. And it was the word that brought Jesus to the temple in Luke 2. It was a marriage of sorts, a command of the law coupled with the belief that his word was true. It was Joseph and Mary's adherence and their obedience to the commandment of the law to bring him there. You see, it was customary in those days for newborns to be presented in the temple. Luke notes three times that the actions of Jesus' parents were carried out in obedience both to and the fulfillment of the Mosaic law. First, Mary followed the prescribed period of postnatal ritual purification as said in Leviticus chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. Secondly, as the family's firstborn male offspring, Jesus was presented to the Lord as prescribed in Exodus 13 and 2, 12 and verses 15. And they did that at Jerusalem. It was both customary and it was commanded that a newborn son be circumcised the eighth day following his birth. And so Jesus' parents did just that. As their custom often was, it most likely took place in the home surrounded by their family and performed by the father. This would be a joyous occasion. Now, I don't know about you, I wouldn't be very happy about doing that. I heard when I said that, performed by the father, I heard, ooh, 
That's what I said. But that's what they did. It was a joyous occasion. It was joyous because they were fulfilling the law of God. And it also ensured the family name would be carried on. And so they did just that. They performed the ceremonial law and then they made their way to that specified place. And with their son, they brought their sacrifice. This would be the third action that Mary and Joseph would carry out in obedience to the word. Joseph and Mary brought a sacrifice. You see, specific instructions surrounded sacrifices in the word of God. Leviticus 12 details what was to be done after a woman had a son. Leviticus 12 and 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, if a, if a woman have conceived seed and born a man-child, then she shall be unclean seven days. According to the days of her separation for her infirmity, shall she be unclean. And in the eighth day, the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. And when the day of her purifying are fulfilled for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring a lamb of the first year for a burnt offering, and a young pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation unto the priest, who shall offer it before the Lord and make an atonement for her, and she shall be cleansed from the issue of her blood. This is the law for her that hath borne a male or a female. And if she be not able to bring a lamb, then she shall bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons, the one for the burnt offering and the other for a sin offering. And the priest shall make an atonement for her, and she shall be clean. But for a firstborn son, we look to Exodus 13. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Sanctify unto me all the firstborn. Whatsoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and of beast, it is mine. Verse 15, and it came to pass when Pharaoh would hardly let us go that the Lord slew all of the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all that openeth the matrix, being males, but all the firstborn of my children I redeem. And so this was not a request. This was not something that just arbitrarily stated you can or you cannot you may or you may not, but this was a requirement. You see, in those days, in those, in those days, God did not allow children to be sacrificed as other pagan rituals and religions had required of their constituency. Instead, he required the child to be redeemed. And so this is a very powerful moment that we are here in Scripture this afternoon or this morning. Joseph and Mary went to offer a sacrifice to redeem their firstborn son who was the Messiah. Think about that for a moment. When they stood before the priest and when they followed and fulfilled the law to redeem their son, they redeemed the one who would then turn and redeem the world. They redeemed their firstborn son who would be the firstborn of mankind who would be who would die, who would hang on a cross for our sins, who would be buried, but he would be risen again on the third day to redeem us from our sins. And so this was no accident. This was no accident what was taking place. 
And hear me now, this was no accident where all of this was taking place. You see, for the Hebrews, the temple was very, very important. It was the place where they met with God. It was the place where God dwelled. It was the place that they brought their sacrifices unto the priesthood as they sacrificed unto the Lord for the atonement of sins for the people. But today, right here, right now, there's something else in the atmosphere. There's something else that is taking place all around them. You see, at this moment in Luke 2, there is a dispensational change that is beginning to occur. After 400 years of silence, we see God again speaking to his people. After 400 years of silence, God is now speaking again, and what he was speaking was confirming that his word had already been spoken. It was confirming what had already been settled. It was confirming what had already been spoken, and he was leading his people to both see and to experience that word come to pass. That word then is the same that it is now. His spirit was then as it is now leading people to understand that God's word will always come true. Let me say that again. It does not matter what is going on in the world. It doesn't matter even what is going on in our individual lives. God's word will always come to pass, and it will come to pass without fail. And so we must be led by his spirit. And we must be led by his spirit in order to see his word come true. And so when we were discussing being led by the Spirit. Brother Allen spoke about that this morning. Questions are always going to inevitably arise. I know it does for me, and I believe rightfully so. Questions like, how do I know that God is speaking to me? Or how do I know that what I'm hearing is God's voice? And I think we should ask those questions. The word says we ought to try the spirits. And so we need to know. And so I believe that first and foremost, that is not something that's going to happen in a moment of time. I believe that if we are going to know that it's God speaking and we are going to understand that it is his voice speaking to us, it will take time to cultivate that and become familiar with God's voice. Now, I certainly believe, and I don't discount this in one way, shape, or another. I believe this emphatically, that God has and he can and maybe even will again speak in an audible voice to people. Now, we know this because we've heard the testimony of people that we rely upon their testimony to know that God has spoken to them. We see this in the New Testament scriptures. Paul and others heard the voice of God audibly. Men around them heard, their vo heard his voice but didn't know who it was speaking, but they heard his voice audibly. However, Brother Allen, more often than not, God speaks through that still, small voice perhaps a nudge in a certain direction or some sort of prompting of sorts or 
perhaps into your thoughts or an impression into your spirit. But what is so vitally important to understand is that God will never speak a word to you or through you that will contradict his written word. God will never speak or reveal anything unto you that will not line up with his written word. And so it's vital in our walk to be spirit-led, but in our endeavor to do so, we must know and understand that God's spirit will never lead us into a direction that once we are there, it will not line up with his written word. We will never grow to a place in our walk with God or our relationship with him that scripture becomes irrelevant. You know, there's a lot of people out there who says, well, I'm just spiritual. I just follow the spirit. Well, you better be careful doing that because his spirit will never take you somewhere that once you're standing in that place that his word will not confirm it. And so in our opening text... Simeon was told that he would not see death until he saw the Messiah. The Bible says, and behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now, this was a hundreds-year-old prophecy. This was something that was spoken in the Word of God. You can read it from Genesis all the way to Malachi, that there is a coming Savior. The Psalms are saturated with Jesus. It is something that they were looking for, they were waiting on, they were hoping for. Their, their, their hearts were groaning for it hundreds of years in the making, but now the Spirit, now the Spirit is revealing unto Simeon and confirming in the life of Simeon that he would not leave this earth until he saw that promise come to pass. Now, just like him, I'm certain today that we, if we heard something like that in our spirit, we don't know, always know how that's going to happen or how that's going to unfold. We don't even know how everything in Scripture is going to unfold, even though that we are giving the prophecies of Scripture. We can't point here and point there and look at a timeline and say this is that and this is that with absolute certainty because we can't see around every bend. And so we don't always know the how. We don't always know how it's going to come to pass. Simeon had no idea how all of this would happen, but he was obedient to the word that had been given to him, and he was both obedient to the spirit that led him to the place where the word would be confirmed in his life. He was living a life that was in tune with the Spirit just like it was in tune with the Word that had been given to him. And that is what led him to the temple that day. And because of all of that, he was able to recognize who Jesus was when he saw the child. And this is what the Bible says he did in Luke 2 and 28. Then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace 
according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And so Simeon was led by the Spirit to that particular place that day and his confidence in that lined up with the confidence in God's word and it fulfilled the promise that Simeon was given by God in his own life. But we can just go one step further than that. It was not all that happened that day because when Simeon was there, he was standing in the place of God and the purpose of God where he had been obedient to his spirit and obedient to his word. That's when he went to prophesy over that child, Jesus. It was not all that happened that day. It was not all that happened that day. It wasn't just Simeon's life that that promise was fulfilled and seen and heard, but he went on to prophesy of things to come in the life of Jesus. He prophesied of the glorious good that would come about his birth and his life, but he also prophesied of the agony that would come about of his death the heartache and the turmoil that took place. But what took place in that that temple that day was absolutely more than significant. It was absolutely necessary because what took place in that moment both confirmed the word of God that he had already spoken, hear me now, but it also pointed to a future. It confirmed what had already been said but it lined up with what had already been said and then he was able to speak forth into the future of things to come that would also line up with what had already been established and stated. It was so important in that moment because he was so in tune with the Spirit. The Spirit led him there and it was uh, that that allowed him to introduce the prophetic elements that also took place in that moment because not only did the Spirit lead Simeon to that place to show him that God's Word is still true? It is still established. His Spirit is absolutely right. He, he was right in the moment, but it also confirmed in the life of Joseph and in the life of Mary that what God had spoken to them was still true, it was still active, and it was still valid in their life. It provided just a little bit more of the unfolding of what would, to, what would be to come. And that, a lot of times, is where we find frustration. It can be frustrating if we allow it, not knowing everything all at one time. Now, I am, I, I am the chief of needing to know everything at one time. My mind goes to a, a story, and I dare say this, Lord, please forgive me. I've been in moments where people have walked up to me and said, here, let's go this. And I said, wait a minute now. Where are we going? What are we going to do? A woman walks up to you with two latex gloves and says, come with me. Where are we going with these? What are we going to do, and when are we coming back? You see when we get there. No, I don't work that way. But that's how God works. He does. Come go with me. Well, where are we going? You'll see. 
That frustrates our spirit sometimes if we allow it. Not knowing what we're going to do. Can't see around the bend. I don't know if I want to go around that corner. That's what happened that day. A little more unfolding, a little more line, a little more precept was, was being shown. And see, we want to know everything right now, but that's also the fortunate side of all of this. We don't see everything all at one time. Now, forgive me if I'm wrong, but I don't remember the angel telling Mary, you're going to have a son who's going to die. None of that was ever said. And that's, not, that's nothing against the angel. That's nothing against the word of God. But who knows had it been, and we commend her for this, and I commend her for this, be it unto me. But he told her, you're going to have a son. He's going to rule over Israel. The government's going to rest upon his shoulders. You're going to call him Jesus. He's going to save his people from their sins. But he didn't tell her how it was going to happen. Well, maybe I'm out here by myself for a minute, but that's all right. He didn't tell her everything. He didn't reveal unto her everything. And so in that moment, Simeon is in the right place at the right time. He's got the word of God in his mouth, and he is speaking the things that are going to unfold. Because had the angel done so, Mary's response may have been different. I know mine probably would have been different. And everything that Simeon was prophesying about even then would not be immediate. But thankfully, God does not reveal everything to us and unveil everything to us in a moment. Because quite honestly, if we saw all the things that we might have to walk through, we might not want to even start the trip. We might just say, I'll just sit down right here and wait for you to come back. But that's not how God works. God does it line upon line and precept upon precept. And we have to wait. And that's the double-edged sword. Because the word often requires waiting. But no matter what, no matter how long, no matter how far his word will come to pass. And so because of that, we must cling to his word no matter what. It's obvious that Simeon spent time learning of the plan of God. It's evident that he was familiar with the scripture and he took time to learn of his promises but just as equally as important is that once he learned of God's word and God's plan he chose to believe it and he chose to step into it he could do nothing in order to make it come to pass he had no ability to force or to speed up the promise that God gave him and so I don't know how long it took for Simeon from the time that he was promised that until the time that he saw that come to pass. I don't know how long it took him from the time that he heard the Lord's voice to the fulfillment of a promise, but I can certainly tell you that it didn't happen in a day or a week or a moment. It, it was a waiting game, if you'll please forgive my terminology, but he had to wait because the word wait is not synonymous with instant but what waiting is often met with, it might not be instancy, but the but their song that's sung is true. He's an on time. 
God. It doesn't matter what I have to walk through or where I have to go to or the lengths that I have to wait. He is always on time and he is there without fail. Oftentimes, waiting is met with the right time and the right place with the blessing and assurance that it took you to get there. There are so many different aspects of of living for God and, and, and living a life of faith. Many different aspects. Choosing, choosing to serve God does not, it doesn't, it doesn't help us to know what the future holds, but, but choosing to serve God no matter what the future holds does not exempt us from the trials of life. It's it's not always glorious. It's, it's not always filled with grandeur. Choosing to faithfully serve God does not remove temptation. It is not a life absent of the potential for failure, loss, or pain, or suffering. But equally, and dare I say more, it does not mean the absence of joy. It does not delete laughter. It does not take away love and the success and the healing that comes from choosing to trust him, all of these things will be, will be present in the life that is lived in faith and service to God. But Sister Donna, the song you sing is true. It is a good life living for the Lord. I'll take the ups and I'll take the downs living for him more than I'll take the ups and the downs of a normal life living outside of his purpose. Can I just join with somebody today and say that it is a good life living for the Lord. It is a fulfilling life living for the Lord. It is fulfilling to trust in his word. It, it is rewarding to absolutely faithfully serve him because we can cling to his promises no matter what because we can count on his promises no matter what. Can I tell you that again? We can cling to those promises no matter what because we can count on those promises no matter what. God blesses those who faithfully serve him. And so I introduce to you Anna. Luke 2 and 36 and 38 and there was a, a one Anna a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about four score and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. She departed not from the temple but she served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And verse 38, and she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. What a picture of commitment. What a picture of absolute steadfastness. Anna committed herself to service. You see, in those days, women were not able to be priests. There, there would never be a woman standing in the office of a priest. And they, they had not the ability to stand or serve in the priesthood. But here's what widows could do. They could commit themselves to service in the temple, in fasting, and in prayer. And the Bible calls her. The Bible calls her 
a prophetess. She may not have had a card in her pocket. She might not have had a placket beside a door somewhere. She didn't sit behind a desk in an office or have a title or even have her name written on a marquee. But she was what God called her to be. And she faithfully carried out her calling. She committed herself to that calling. And because of that, she was in the right place I'll say it again, at the right time, and she stepped right into the plan and the purpose of God. God blessed her that day in two ways. One, by allowing her to see the fulfillment of his word, and secondly, by allowing her to become a voice in the midst of that fulfillment. Hear me now, she became an active participant in the middle of God's prophetic plan as it was happening. And so that's why I say we ought never discount this house. We ought never discount coming to this place. I can just see Anna getting up every Sunday and every Wednesday and getting dressed. My knees hurt. My back's aching. I've had a rough week, but I'm going to the house of God because you never know what is going to happen in the house of God. They call Disney World the happiest place on earth. This is the happiest place on earth. This is the place where we meet God. This is the place where we hear his voice. This is the place where we see prophetic fulfillment come to pass. This is the place where anything can happen because God is in the house and anything can happen. Come on, let's clap our hands and thank him. I'm going to serve him. I may not be all that great at it, but I'm going to serve him. I'm going to faithfully wait for his word to come to pass. And just like Anna and just like Simeon, we too can serve and faithfully serve him and choose to do so and choose to wait for the promise to be fulfilled in our generation. I mean, no, we're still waiting on a promise to be fulfilled. He's coming back one day. He's going to split that eastern sky. He's going to appear just like he went away. He's going to appear in the same manner and he's coming with a, with a host and he's coming in glory. And so we are going to see it. We're going to commit ourselves and ground ourselves in scripture and ask him to lead us and guide us into all truth. And hear me, he will do it if we ask. Something very interesting to note, and I'm trying to close. Simeon waited for the promise. Now we infer his age by this statement, would not die until, and he made the statement, now, now I can die. I've seen your word. I've heard your voice. You've led me to the place to see it and witness it. Now I can die in peace. We infer that he was old. But the Bible doesn't say that. He agreed that he, he, when he saw the Messiah, he could die in peace. But the Bible never makes reference to his age. Anna, the Bible declares specifics about her life that give indications that estimates her to be between 84 and 100 years of age. Both of them... <laughs> 
both of them faithfully, faithfully waiting, but very, very, perhaps very far apart in age, young and old, male and female, both confirmed God's word and prophesied that day. I don't introduce any kind of new doctrine to you today, but hear me, there was something changing in the atmosphere. There was a dispensational change that was coming about, and so could it be a snapshot in and of itself of what Joel had already prophesied even before Peter even preached it on the day of Pentecost, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy your old men shall dream dreams your young men shall see visions and also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit and so can I tell you this morning it does not matter who you are it does not matter how old you are or how young you may be it doesn't matter if you're male it doesn't matter if you're female it has nothing to do with your nationality or your socioeconomic background. You can be used of God if you want to be used of God. It doesn't matter if you have gray hair or if you have no hair. It doesn't matter if you have no money in the bank. It doesn't matter what you drive. It could be a Cadillac or it may be a Schwinn bicycle. It doesn't matter. You can trust God's word and God will bring it about in your life. You can choose to serve him. You can choose to faithfully adhere to his word and be led by his spirit and God will, will in fact use you and bless you because of it. We can listen for his voice and if we will listen, he will speak. And because of that, because of that faithfully waiting on him will no longer be that chore that the world tries to impart onto us. We don't have to have a Pop-Tart mentality. Some people don't even want to wait for it to be toasted in a toaster. That's too long. Three seconds in the microwave, mouth the door. And that's imparted upon us by the world. But we don't have to take it. We don't have to let it come into our spirit. If we'll faithfully serve him and faithfully wait on him, all of these things come to pass. It won't be a chore. It won't be a drudgery. It won't necessarily be easy. But we don't have to allow the pain and the disappointments in life to cause us to back out of what God has promised us in our lives. If God promised it, he will make a way for it to come to pass and he will do it at the right time and he will do it in the right way and in the right place. And so everyone, you can stand with me, had to wait for God's word to come to pass. Mary and Joseph had to wait. They received instruction from the angel, but they had to wait. Even what was prophesied before them, much of what was told would not come to pass for a lifetime and take a lifetime to come to fruition. Yet they all modeled faithful obedience and trust in God. Simeon chose to believe the word. And he saw it come to pass. Anna was not necessarily ever given that promise. She was just picking this up every day. She just believed the word. God, we don't know that God ever spoke to her directly and said, you'll see the Messiah. But she believed that Israel 
would be consolidated, that God would come back and he would bring them together. And so she just served daily in the temple. In the temple, Scripture tells us that her and others were waiting. However, however, the fact of the matter is, is that they didn't know if it was ever going to come to pass in their lifetime. They were just living day by day. Israel as a whole nation was waiting for the Messiah to appear. They, they were again living under a totalitarian and occupying government. They were hungry for a word of God and many were still in oppression and they were waiting for the comfort that they knew was coming to pass. Thus, this was the cause. So many flocked to John the Baptist. There were so many hungry, so many waiting souls wanting to see it come to pass. Can I tell you this afternoon, that seems like to me the church in this day there is something that is going to come to pass and whether you want to believe it or not there are hungry people that just want to hear the word of God and they are going to come they are going to come and they are going to receive the promise themselves it is a picture of the church God is orchestrating and he is bringing to pass his word his spirit is leading and it's guiding and it's confirming that his word is still true and his promises are yea and they are in him amen it is so and so here's the wonderful thing in all of this and bringing this about God often doesn't bring about his promise just through one person God uses people he uses his people case in point remember Scotty his mother prayed faithfully and waited for God to reach her son. Though she may have never seen it come to pass, she went to her grave believing that God would confirm his word. God worked through people and events in Scotty's life to bring him to a specific location where others lived and were, uh, and were connected to Kendall and the nearby Pentecostal church. God impressed upon the hearts of Kendall and Levon about how he wanted them to serve him. And God spoke to and through their pastor to impact Scotty in the word. And finally, God showed his love to him and showed his kindness through the body of Christ to reach out to him when he came to church. Scotty's heart was prepared to respond to God's spirit through so many different people faithfully serving God and believing the promise of the gospel message that God's word is true. It can overcome anything in any life and he can change anyone. And so today we can be encouraged that we can be used by God if we want it. He'll take us through some low parts. He'll take us through some high parts. But in the end, it'll all be worth it. It'll all be worth it when we make that trip over glory land and make it into the promise and I, I dare say to you that you ought to lift your hands and lift your voice and thank God for his promises thank God for what he's done in our lives and through us and for us and thank him in advance for what he is going to do because his word it will come to pass. Come on one more time. Lift your voice in prayer and praise and thank him. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. 
We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.